Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Wednesday, February 26. Uh, S&P futures are experiencing a lot of volatility. So when you listen to this, the numbers will probably be a little different. Um, they were about flat for most of the morning. They took a dive at around 3.30, coinciding with a steep decline in Europe. They've since rebounded and they're off um, about you know single digits, call it. So at the lows this morning, they got down to uh, 30.90. So that is about 9% cumulative off the recent high of a few days ago, um, peak to trough. The S&P cash yesterday closed. That was a cumulative drop of about 8.1%. Um, so futures off, you know, I call it less than 10 points as of about 520, but that's subject to change. Europe, um, also similar price action this morning. Um, steep decline, although it's crawling off its lows. The major indices are still off over 1% there. Asia finished in the red across the board, although the selling in Asia has not been as intense as we've seen in the US and Europe, uh, at least so far this week. Um, so that's kind of the price action this morning. You know, there's not a real, a lot of news to kind of go through. So obviously we're in this vortex of selling. There's a lot of panic around the coronavirus. The CDC warning in the middle of the day yesterday in the U S about how, you know, a global pandemic is very likely and you're likely to see kind of, um, a sharp increase in U S cases. You know, that really, I think changed the narrative in a lot of people's minds that was somewhat contrary to what the white house had been saying. Um, you know, there are reports that the Trump is not pleased with the CDC messaging. Um, and I think that saw you know, that, that, that caused the cascade of selling that we saw in the U S into yesterday's close. And I think that translated into what we're seeing overnight. And it's just making the market very sensitive to any type of headline about, you know, Corona, Corona case crops up in such and such country, such and such region, just reinforcing this fear, this narrative that you're seeing a global spread, um, and it's going to kind of create this lasting economic overhang going out for the next several quarters. Um, you know, I appreciate the concern and I, and I, and certainly this is not something that should be treated lightly and it is definitely a risk. But if you kind of just look at the fundamental facts, you still see progress in China, which still accounts for about 98 plus percent of all cases. You're still seeing case, the case count in China move in the right, the right direction overall. Especially when you look at the non um, the cases outside of the Hubei province, which is the epicenter, they continue to move lower as well. And you're continuing to see reports of activity re- resuming in China, business production, stores reopening, etc. Um, so obviously, this is still a huge risk, still a huge overhang. But you know, I think the narrative has become somewhat incongruous with what's actually occurring on the ground fundamentally. Um, you know, it's unclear why. You know the market was relatively comfortable with with you know seventy nine thousand cases in China, and then when you see um, you know a few percent more occur in other countries, you have this kind of cascade of selling. Fundamentally, um, you know I think that doesn't make too much sense, especially since again we're seeing the right the trends moving in the right direction in China. Um, so really, other than a bunch of coronavirus related headlines, that that's kind of it for this morning. Um, you did have a few earnings reports. You had a few, a lot of earnings out of China. I'm sorry, out of Europe rather. Um, Diageo has was a was a uh, warning. So Diageo issued a profit warning based on coronavirus, and they said that they are experiencing headwinds. That's similar to what we've heard from a lot of other companies. Um, I have a list in today's Vital Dawn of all the companies that have issued coronavirus related warnings. Um, Danone also cited coronavirus. They they actually issued a formal earnings report. They cited coronavirus. 
as one of the reasons why they were trimming their 2020 guidance, although Corona, uh, Danone rather is trading higher right now in Europe. So, um, And then you have some other reports like Hermes had earnings out too, and they talked about how they're seeing a normalization in their China business, um, you know, which is somewhat encouraging. So you know, I think just taking a step back and looking at everything and, and looking at the broader market, you know, we've had a very um, violent sell-off, obviously, like I said, 9% peak to trough in the futures, 8% peak to trough in the cash markets. Um, you know, I think the conditions leading into this phase um, exacerbated the decline. So again, we the multiples that we had been trading at were simply unsustainable. Um, you know, I know that the 20 times had become the consensus, um, but that was just not a sustainable level given the fundamental backdrop, even before all the coronavirus news. And I think you had a lot of people who had been forced to buy into a market that they didn't necessarily have a lot of fundamental conviction in, um, you know, just by the unrelenting rally and the fact that they didn't want to fall behind. So you had this kind of we can problem of, of a lot of people in stocks that didn't really want to be there and unsustainable valuations. And so that, I think, contributed to the velocity of the decline that we've seen. But you know, you're back now to levels where the valuations are reasonable. They're certainly not cheap, and I don't think you're going to see a V-shaped rebound in stocks, but they're now back to a more reasonable level. Um, I think based on everything that we see now, $170 for calendar 20 can be thought of as a stressed EPS number. Now, clearly, if you were to see the coronavirus overhangs persist um, into Q2 and beyond, and not simply... Um, you know, persist at a level as intense as they're as they're um, you know weighing on activity right now in Q1, um, then that number would be at risk to the downside. But I think you're still you know the assumption that the majority of the coronavirus economic headwinds will be felt in Q1. I think that's still a safe assumption to make. Um, you're going to have some lingering effects certainly, but you're going to see the worst of it begin to abate. Um, and I think $170 is a stressed figure. And then if you go out to the four quarter period ending in Q1 of next year, so you kind of take calendar Q1 of 2020 out of the equation, you're at you know, $175, $176. Um, and based on that latter range, the PE is now back below 18 times. So you know, for a long time, we've been operating on the assumption that 18 times is the multiple ceiling. Um, you know whether or not we can go a little bit above that. I think where we had been at the recent peak of around 19 and a half plus times, that is just clearly unsustainable. Um, I don't think that the tape, the S and P, is going to collapse below 3100. I think you'd have to see a real mark, a real um, uh, deterioration in economic activity. You'd have to see enormous travel restrictions being placed um, throughout Europe, and then and then you know moving into the U.S. as well. And you'd have to see a real explosion in case counts beyond what we've seen. Um, over the last several days, which again, it's are very mild compared to um, in the grander scheme of, of the coronavirus outbreak. So, um, you know, I, I do think that the sell-off is overdone at, at, at 3,100. I had been a big, um, you know, I, I had been complaining about valuations and I still do. I still think that, you know, approximately 18 times is reasonable. Um, so I'm more making a call out the selling is, is uh, the selling velocity should, you know, should come to an end. Um, but I'm not necessarily um, calling for kind of a V-shaped rebound either. Um, so that's kind of the long-winded recap of this morning. There were a lot of micro headlines out. So beyond the earnings reports I mentioned in Europe, you had a lot of earnings in the U.S. yesterday. I don't necessarily think any of them really matter for today. Salesforce had a, a pretty encouraging quarter on a fundamental basis. Um, you know, solid growth on all the key metrics. They had some management changes, et cetera. You had the Disney CEO change. I think the CEO announcement and the individual who's becoming the new CEO, I think that was largely as expected. I think the timing was a little bit, um, 
you know, this is certainly earlier than I think most people assumed. It kind of came out of the blue. And the fact that it's happening immediately was a little surprising as well. Um, just on the on the debate last night, quickly, um, you know, I would say that Biden had probably the best debate um, so far of all of these debates. And it came at a critical time for him, given that, you know, South Carolina is going to be, um, you know, the last stand for his campaign. If he does not win in South Carolina, it's hard to see how or why he would stay in the race um, going into Super Tuesday. So he did well um, last night. And I think Sanders also um, absorbed some body blows for really the first time in this whole process. So there was a lot of criticism of Sanders from all the various candidates. um, And I think some of them were very effective. So that should blunt some of his momentum. And then Biden's also supposed to get a very high profile endorsement today um, from a prominent South Carolina politician. So all those should point to Biden being able to win in South Carolina. And the polls still have him up. The average of all the South Carolina polls has has Biden up about 10 points. That's probably a little stale. Um, The more recent polls point to a smaller lead, but he should be able to win in South Carolina. Um, You know, I know the whispers were calling for a Sanders upset right after Nevada, um, but based on last night and then, and like I said, based on um, some of the Sanders some of the Sanders body blows in the, in the debate last night, Biden should be able to win. Um, you know, I think knee jerk to the extent Sanders momentum can be blunted. I think that may be a positive for the market. Um, but I also think Biden is, is a more potent candidate or more potent opponent for Trump to face in November. So I don't necessarily know if it's a positive, if Sanders were to collapse and Biden surges to, to secure the nomination. Um, you know, I think the big issue had not been the fact that that Sanders was headed for the nomination. I think the big issue was coming out of Nevada, the fact that he appeared to have a lot of support from various important factions of the Democratic Party suggested that he would be able to unify the Democrats behind him in November for a general election. I think that's what really unnerved markets, the fact that Sanders had been looking like um, a much stronger opponent than most people were assuming. So the fact that if Biden were to capture the nomination, I don't I don't necessarily know if that's a positive for markets. I think markets clearly prefer Trump over any of the Democrats, um, although if they had to pick, they'd much prefer Biden over Sanders or, or anyone over Sanders. Um, so that's for the debate. Um, just quickly on today's calendar, there's not all that much other than, um, you know, some earnings. Uh, and then the next major macro events don't come until this weekend. So obviously South Carolina and then you have the China PMIs all, all both come out this weekend. So that is it for today. Thank you everyone for listening.